0: Like our content? It's funded by viewers like you. Please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of New Church Live today.
1: Yeah, thanks, viewers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to New Church Live. My name is Curtis. Um, Have you ever noticed that you have have a, a body and a mind, and your body does not care at all about what your mind has to go through? So this morning, um, once in a while, I get this thing where it's like allergies, but like I'll wake up and my eyes will be like all puffy. And this morning, I woke up and it was just like cranked into overdrive. Like I heard my daughter had started getting allergies. I knew they were around. It seems like every season is allergy season. But this morning, I was like, I had these super puffy eyes. And I thought, okay, well, they don't hurt or anything, but I have to go in like a couple hours, I have to go and... I have to go give a talk. And so can you, like i am talking to my body, like can can you like unpuff these for a minute so that we can, so I can go give this talk. And to the body, it's like, well, there's no danger to you here. You're just walking around and talking. That's not, and I'm trying to say, no, but it's embarrassing. I I don't want it so that if people like are are close up in the camera on the video, they can see that. Can you just unpuff it? I know you got some histamine, or something that you have to take care of. I don't know how that works. Maybe you could tell me someday. And the body doesn't care at all. It's just like, no, I got my priorities. I remember there's times when I had to give a talk the next day, and I like couldn't sleep. And I I knew, like when I was out, like I'd traveling, and I'm in a different time zone, and it's like, I just really need to sleep tonight. And my body's like, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not doing that right now. So I don't know. That's the. Uh, so just in case you can see, I have like allergies in my eyes today. and But maybe that'll be good. Maybe because we're talking about heaven and hell today. So I was like, ooh, that guy. Looks like he's already there. Um, I want to talk about heaven and hell and, and specifically what heaven and hell are. And I want to begin with, man, sometimes I'm a sucker for a good, obscure Bible verse that I don't quite know what it means. But I'll just be reading along And it will just hit me, I just feel like, that feeling when you hear a good part of a song and you're like, I love that, I I just get that. And this was one of those, this is in Jeremiah, and I think it gets to the heart of the challenge that a lot of people have with the concept of heaven and hell. Good sound effect. Okay, so it starts out familiar, <laughs> familiar to me, who I've been a, like a church going guy my whole life. So it starts out uh, this is 17, verse 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. There's a song, like a church song Heal me, and I'll be healed. I think some of, some of those, it's like just a little strummy church song that you'd, you'd hear in a little church service, but some of those are, are real bangers, I feel like, and I love that song. But then it goes after that, "'Indeed they say to me, where is the word of the Lord? Let it come now. As for me, I have not hurried away from being a shepherd who follows you, nor have I desired the woeful day.'" And this is where it started to, I don't know why, it just started to, I started to feel it. "'You know what came out of my lips.'" It was right there before you. And this is the clincher. Do not be a terror to me. You are my hope in the day of doom. Do not be a terror to me. You are my hope in the day of doom. And when I heard that phrase, the day of doom, I just felt like, yeah, the day of doom. There's, there's struggles. that Sometimes you're living and it feels like this is the day of doom. All the stuff that's hard and wrong with life. It feels like, God, don't, don't you be against me. Don't you be a terror to me. Are you the one who kind of had the idea for this whole thing? Like, like me and existence. You are my hope in the day of doom. Don't be a terror to me. And I just love that, that command. Like I'm just telling you, Hey, don't do that. I need you. I need you. Don't be a terror to me. But the problem is, you've got a traditional concept of heaven and hell where God is the scariest thing that could possibly exist, right? Because there's some rules that are set out and they're relatively arbitrary or, or at least mysterious or at least easy to break. And if you break them or you don't jump through the right hoops, then you're going to go to hell forever after you die. And hell is not just bad, it's like eternal acute suffering. So if you don't do this thing, then God is going to put you there in eternal acute suffering. That sounds like God is a really scary thing. That sounds like you are being a terror to me. And I think also what drives people and drives the mass exodus from traditional Christianity, at least in the West, is that the idea that God is going to set up some standards, maybe not equip you to meet those, and then if you don't meet those, you get a forever punishment. It's like, okay, I get it. I was, I was bad. Maybe it, can, I, can I do 18 months? Like forever? That doesn't seem to square with who we understand God, God to be. And again, I read this once every time I'm up here. This is, I think, the most beautiful definition of God, and this is from New Church Theology. Divine love is the intent that everyone should be most profoundly and fully happy that's who God is. you hear God is God is love, love one another as I have loved you God God loves you with an everlasting love. This is what the things that God says at other points in the Bible that I can get behind if there really is if, if God really is like that is intending the lasting, full, profound happiness of everyone, well, you know, no one's going to write a protest song against that. Like, yes, that's right, that's good. It kind of makes me want to say, all right, let's just, let's get rid of the religious framework and the heaven and hell thing. Let's just look at, like, what's right and wrong? What is good and what is bad? Just how you can just feel it in your heart and just know it in your mind. What's good and what's bad? And I would say that the idea that everyone should be most fully and profoundly happy, if this was our morality spectrum, all all the way on this side, we could put everyone should be most fully and profoundly happy. Like That is is really good. If you're a person who wants that, I'd say you're a really good person. At least I feel very comfortable getting next to you on a bus. I'm glad that you're around. And I think the opposite of that the opposite of that is eternal vengeance. Like all the way over here is the idea that I'm, I'm going to not just get you back, but I'm going to get you back forever. I'm going to just, it's total, as much suffering as I can incur, I would do that. To me, it seems like if you just thought about it from your your sense of what's right and wrong, that's what's right, that's what's wrong. And then there is a gradient in between I mean not very few of us would be sort of embodying or acting on complete love for everyone or complete um, uncaring ragey vengeance against somebody even though you you kind of get a little like Ugh, how dare you do that to me but you, we wouldn't go that far but there's there's like a spectrum of Maybe I don't love everyone always, all the time, forever, but it's like, hey, I, I devote a lot of my time to, to being good. Maybe you've had a, a time when you really felt like, I'm, I'm gonna do this nice thing for this person. You get kind of closer to neutral. Maybe it's like, I won't mess with you. Don't mess with me. We'll, we'll all just get along, we'll follow the rules. Maybe you're getting a little farther this way, and you're like, well, you know, I'll generally follow the rules, but I kind of like picking on people. I kind of like doing things all the way down to narcissism and rage and everything like that. I mean, that seems like, to me, that's the real spectrum of, of what's right and wrong. And I think that people might quibble with me about the details, but I think that you could go almost anywhere and people would have a general sense of, yes, that's right. Maybe their morality spectrum would be a little different, but they wouldn't be that different. I think this is something universal in the human heart. This is sort of every religion, non-religion, golden rule kind of stuff, right? Well, the thing is, we have actually, just in laying out that morality, we have described that that is heaven and hell. That is heaven and hell. So, the Kingdom of God is within you. When you have in your heart anything that starts to approach, I desire for everyone to be most fully and profoundly happy, that is heaven. The intent is what makes heaven. So on earth, you can say, we want heaven on earth, and what we're saying is we want a bunch of people who love one another as God has loved us. That's what you're talking about. That's what you want. Even in heaven, like a life-after-death heaven, like people who have a near-death experience or something, they see heaven, what makes it heaven is that everyone, it's full of love. It's full of love, and that love is there. And the more that we go into the other side the more that we feel like, well, I'm going to... You see this in, in tyrants and dictators and, and people who are road-raging. It's just, I don't care at all about you. I care about me, and I'm going to kind of enjoy smashing you. That is hell. That is what you would call hell because it's the opposite. Is the opposite of what is good. Actually, in, in New Church theology, there's this quote, when pleasure and evil... Is felt as good. That is hell. And hell, that hell traps you. And when you're, there was this awesome, I, last time, no, two times ago, when I was doing New Church Live, I had a guest on. His name was Peter Rhodes. And he is an author and speaker, um, has done a number of amazing things with spiritual growth and development. And he sent me a video recently where he was giving a lecture and he was saying, like, you think, do you think your, your ego isn't trapping you? Just look at yourself. Next time you're ruining a relationship by having to be right, or you're yelling at your loved ones, or you're raging about something, that—that like that is a hell that, that traps. And is absolutely not, God would never intend and cause those kinds of things. God is way over there, and it's about how close do we want to go, even though God is always, the door is open, He's there and knocking. So that's what heaven and hell are. And that, I feel like, okay, in that line, God is not a terror to me. The terror is the the problems that can come out of us when we're participating in that kind of stuff. In that, it's like, oh, no, God is the hope in a day of doom because each of these states over here, love is going to make them better. The more we move that way, the better and happier we're gonna be. So that's one new way to think about heaven and hell. We've got two more for you, but first let's take a second to let that settle in and listen to a little bit of music.
2: Good morning. can tell. Did they get you to trade? Your heroes for ghosts, hot ashes for trees, hot air for a cool breeze, cold comfort for change. And did you exchange a walk on
1: That was so great, thank you. You know, the guy who wrote that, that's, that song is by a band called Pink Floyd, and that song was written by a man named James Pink. That's why it's, I'm just kidding, that's not his name. I don't know what that guy's name is. I don't know much about Pink Floyd, but, so, that, so I can just say some heretical things about that song without, without having too much culpability, but that song was written a long time ago, And it's still, people still love it. By a long time ago, I mean decades ago, like in the 70s or 80s or something. Long time ago. But I think one of the reasons why people still love it is because of that opening line. So you think you can tell heaven from hell. And it seems so out of left field initially. What do you mean, so you think you can tell what do you mean you can't tell the difference between heaven and hell? That is that those are the easiest things to tell the difference between, right? In the traditional Christian idea that we we're poking holes in in the beginning where it's heaven is you're happy all the time, hell is you're miserable. What is easier to tell the difference between? That's the e- that would be the easiest test question ever. But that endures, I think, because the actual heaven and hell You don't always know which one you're in. You can be up on a a church pulpit and thinking, hey, I'm in heaven here and I'm raining fire and brimstone on the people I I don't like and my enemies and I'm condemning them And because I'm righteous, I'm in heaven. If that is over here, like away from the divine love, you can be operating from a state of hell and not even know it. When you're really righteous and you feel like you are right and feels like you're in heaven, do you think you can you tell? That's what we're supposed to look inside and find out. Which are we in really? Are we are we acting because we want to make an effort toward the profound and true happiness of our fellow human beings, or is it because I'm the center of the universe? Do you think you can tell heaven and hell? And and I'm I'm. I should leave it alone. Fans of that song are already like, can this guy stop talking about our song? That's not what it means. But when it says, then it's like, I wish you were here. I, and I listen to a lot of songs like this, but I'm just, I'm, I'm here on God. It's like, I wish you were here. I wish you were over here with me. That you, can, you think you can tell heaven and hell how I wish that you were here. All right. I'll stop that. Another way we can think about heaven and hell is... It's your distance from the, this, the, the radiating love and truth from God. God is like the sun. I think an enduring metaphor that can serve you every day if you're trying to think about God and God's influence in our life and, and also how God can be so present and yet you don't always notice that he's there is think about the sun. Absolutely, if we didn't have the sun it's over. Like right now, you can't even see it. You don't even know the sun is here in this room. I mean, as far as we know, this is like a blacked out theater. It could be that no, we, you, you could say, There's no sun. the sun doesn't exist. It wouldn't matter. But if it was actually gone, we'd be frozen. We would freeze very quickly. I mean, the, maybe the furnace would put up a good fight for a minute or two. But also, like, all the energy you've ever powered your body with, even the fossil fuels that this is running off of or whatever it's running it all came from the sun initially. It all came from the sun initially. So it is with God, as Jan Martel says. This is from Heaven and Hell 13. Divine love and the divine truth that derives from it are like the sun's fire and the light that comes from it in our world. The love is like the sun's fire, and the derivative truth is like the light from the sun. You can be walking outside, and everything's bright, and you can see everything, and if you didn't look up and over to where the sun is, you wouldn't even really realize that the only reason you can see anything is because there's light particles shooting 93 million miles or whatever, bouncing off that and going into your eyes that even if you're not looking at God, and you, you can't even really comprehend God, everything is illuminated by that, by that truth that fundamentally says everyone deserves to be most fully and profoundly happy, and that love, which is the desire to make that happen for people. So in heaven, God is like the sun there, and there's a whole complex organization of the afterlife that New Church Theology talks about, just like this world is complex and how it's being made, but it all relates to God, who is that love and that truth, and then all the layers that come out from it. So, the closer you are to that, the more you're in heaven, and God is saying, I wish you were here. Like, I've, I'm going to pull you as far this way as you can go. But it's like, we need to get the equivalent of our sunscreen and and slowly ease into it. I remember one time I was going to go uh, to somewhere where it was very sunny, and my aunt and uncle were going to take me there. And they said, hey, go to this tanning booth first, because if you don't, you're going to get fried when we go there. You might say, like, why? why wouldn't God just immediately pull everyone to them. Why even have a division like a heaven and a hell? But it's like um, layers... Of, sorry, let me get my um, marine biology glasses on. It's like the layers of habitable zones in the ocean or whatever, layers of habitability. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of this, but in the ocean, it's very deep in some places. And there. It, sometimes they... Uh, can you go to the next graphic? Sometimes they break it up into. I didn't draw this one, but it kind of looks like I did. They they break it up into. Sometimes it's more than this, but generally there's these different zones, and the zones are there because if you go down, down, down into the water, things change. So when you're up at the top, they call it the sunlight zone because you can still see the light in there. Like If you go down 10 feet, it's not quite as bright, but you can still see some light. But as you go farther down, there's less and less light, but there's still some. Then there's the, the twilight zone, Where it's not only getting darker, but it's getting colder because the sun, again, is what warms everything up. You're getting farther away from that. And finally, the midnight zone, way, way down in the depths, where not only is it really cold and really dark, but there is this incredible pressure there. Their incredible pressure is there. If you took, and some of the things, everything's adapted to the place that it's in. Some of the things in the Midnight zone are these fantastically creepy-looking creatures that I really like, um, but those those ones with those big mouths, those are called gulper eels. And you might think, well, that's not that gulper eel is like down where it's all dark and there's all this pressure, and let's just bring it up to the top so it can it can enjoy the sunlight zone with us here. Uh, they have trouble when they try to research deep sea animals. They try to bring them up and they die on the way up because they're not suited to this zone. So you might think if God's over here, if we're switching back into this metaphor and saying, hey, this is so great over here. This is so great. It's it's love. You're going to find a deeper meaning in life. You're going to be able to relate to people. Get out of that narcissism and that ego and that desire to command and rage against your enemy. Come Come here. I wish you were here. You might think, why doesn't God just pull us all in right away. Why do we have to go through this long thing? Why, why, do, why doesn't everyone just get there right away? It's because you have to be ready. You have to get processed. Uh, you can't just go from living a life that where you enjoy, uh, where you don't at all enjoy loving other people, where you're ego-filled, and where you, you obtain your, your meaning and your sense of purpose from belittling other people or breaking them down or whatever it is, we all have our own stuff, you can't just go right up there. you got to work your way. It's easing up so that you can c- come, it sounds funny, but so that you can actually live in that love. It's not just like there's nothing to it. Just like you'd think, oh, just take a deep sea fish out of the bottom of the ocean. It's, it's so much easier to live up here. The pressure is so much lighter. you got to be built the right way. Luckily, This is something that we can work on throughout our life. Actually, it is the thing. It is the thing that we are working on throughout our life. And providence, God's providence is making sure that happens, whether we realize it or not. In true Christianity, it says, the more we are in harmony with the divine design, the more spiritual heat and light, or to put it another way, the more of love's goodness and wisdom's true perspective we have. I used to have a pet bearded dragon, I did, I really had it. Well, it's a kind of lizard, it's not a real dragon. And I had him for for like 10 years, God rest his soul. And he, he would do this thing where if you wanted to get warm and a lot of times it was just on the heat lamp, which is like a simulation for the sun, which again though is ultimately powered by the sun through the fossil fuels or the wind or the solar, whatever's powering it. But he would flatten out and tilt like this, and he was doing that because that was increasing his surface area and he could catch more rays coming out of the sun and he would get warmed up more. We can orient in our lives so that we, and this is a serious thing for reptiles. They've got to be able to warm up so they have all these techniques and things. We can, by being in harmony with the divine design as we understand it, we can catch more of that sun's light and energy no matter where we are. You can, you, a bad day can always get better because it's always right there. It's just about orienting ourselves to it. But not only that, you can actually move, you can move along that spectrum out of hell into heaven throughout the course of your life. And I'm talking, I'm talking literally, because so you have a you have a body and a spirit. You have a body and you have a spirit. The conscious part of you is your spirit. That's the part that's why when people have a a near-death experience for example, they suddenly, oh, I'm out of my body. I'm in my, ho- I'm in my hospital room looking down. That, that, that's your spirit. So your body is where it is right now, but where is your spirit right now? I think a lot of people will say, yeah, I think we probably do have a spirit. Where is your spirit? Like, where is it? It's not here. I mean, it's not in the Mitchell Performing Arts Center. Because you can't—that's why there's a lot of people who don't believe that there is any such a thing as a spirit. Because you could like get in here with a microscope, and you would never see it, because it's not here. But it—it's in the spiritual side of life. It is in the afterlife already, and it's connected to us. That's why, again, we have this conundrum I was talking about in the beginning, where my mind or my spirit is like, "Wait, can we do something different?" And my body's like, "Hey, I got to take care of what's going on down here." That spirit is somewhere along that heaven and hell spectrum. And as we change in life, our spirit actually moves. Like, as you make spiritual growth, it's actually you going on a journey more and more into heaven. This is from New Church Theology. Heaven is divided into countless communities, so no, nobody's heaven is exactly like someone else's, it's not just a monolith. I drew it simply in the spectrum, but it's actually like this world, there's all kinds of different communities. So is hell, opposite to it. And the mind of every person is actually living in a community that suits his desire and therefore his intellect. What he wants to do and thinks about is like what the people there do. So you have like spiritual peer group. You are in a, you, here, you, you have that in the world, where there's certain cultures, like West Coast culture is different than Southeast culture. We're in somewhere and we're influenced by that. It says, if his mind is in some community in heaven, he wills and thinks like the angels there. If it's in some community in hell, he wills and thinks like the spirits there. Perhaps you've noticed that there are some days where you feel like, ugh, what is, what is going on with me? And other days we feel like everything's working great. But so long as a person lives in the world, his mind moves from one community to another according to the changes in the feelings of his will and the thoughts of his mind from them. You're on a journey. Remember when you were 16? How different are your priorities now? Hopefully they're different. Mine, I think, have changed. How different is your value system? People make these amazing changes in life. People ha- are living a certain way and then realize that's harmful. I'm not going to do that anymore. People have wild political swings. People change. And that change is actually us making this journey toward heaven. Actually, when, when you're little, think about like, just, just like go hang around a little kid and you notice that like this, they are totally in a different place than I am. I'm in this same room right now with them, but they're... they're they're seeing it in a totally different way than I do. They're processing it in a totally different way than I do. And according to New Church Theology, it's because kids have angels very close to them. All of us, when we're little, have this sort of, we begin, it's like the hero's journey. We begin where everything's good. Then we have to go out and do our challenges, and then we come back triumphant. You start with angels all around you. That's what childhood innocence is. As you grow up, you move, learn, have to make choices for ourselves. But eventually, with all that knowledge... And with all that experience, God is saying, hey, come over here now now that you can really choose it for yourself to this love for everyone. Come on into heaven. And that's the journey that we're offered. So that's another way to think about heaven and hell as that journey. We got one more way coming up after this song to think about how heaven and hell are really just about being upside down or about being right side up.
2: you hold my head if i saw you in heaven would you help me stay if i saw you in heaven just can't stay here in heaven. say, if I saw you in heaven, I must be strong and carry on, cause I
0: you. Good morning, friends. Pastor Chuck Blair here. We have an important announcement here at New Church Live. Many of you are already aware of this. But, but, you know, due to the financial changes we've been experiencing and the fact that most of our audience has now moved online, we made the decision a few months back to close our office on Huntington Pike and to instead go to working much more remotely and much more inexpensively, frankly. It's a much better use of stewardship dollars, given that most of what we do, 95% plus now, is done online versus person to person. Where's our new office located? We are very fortunate to be located in a small office in the and College, uh, right down the road from where we previously had our office. I have an office here. And if you ever did need to meet in person, of course, you can always reach out. You can reach out as well to Zoom meetings, which is what most people are doing these days. So we're looking forward to this next step on the journey. It's a, it's a different kind of step. The office served us very well. And we hope the internet continues to serve us as well as we move into the future. Take care, folks. Wishing you all the very best. Bye. I think I'm not usually like a I don't know investor
1: kind of ahead of the curve guy, but I think that the internet's going to be big. I think it's going to take off one of these days. So put your money there. So that that other that song we just heard, um, I do know who wrote that. His name is Eric Clapton. And do do you know what that song is about? Do you know like what why he wrote that? His his. Infant or toddler son died, and so he's saying, "Would you know my name if I saw you in heaven?" Like I'd heard that before, I understood that, but knowing what it is, I, f- I feel like oh, I'm so glad that I and I, I just learned this morning that he had someone help him write it, which is great. But he he like co-wrote it with them. But I'm so glad that he got to have that song. I, mean, I I'm sure like it doesn't make it better but I bet that there was some, I know, I would love to be able to write that song to my little son and, and, and be able to, and have it loved by people around the world and just to be able to express, I love you, even though you're, you're not here. And I feel like, even just hearing that song backstage, I was like, oh yeah, right, that's all that matters. Love is all that matters. That, that all this other stuff seems silly when you think about, oh, that's why, that's why he wrote it, because he loves his little son that's, of course, where we want to get to. Of course, that's where we want to get to. And I'm trying in these segments to give, you, give us some helpful tips on how to get there, but I understand it could seem like I'm just kind of just saying, well, you know, don't be, don't be bad, be good. Don't be bad. Just don't be bad, be good. And that might not be very insightful or helpful or realistic because I do think if you kind of get the idea that, well, what I need to do to, to go to heaven and live the good life is just be good all the time and, and always think selfless thoughts, okay, I'm going to go out and do it. That's kind of like, oh, it's January 1st. I'm going to sign up for a gym and I'm going to go every day. Um, it doesn't work. I, I recently was like, all right, well, you know what? I'm starting to get super old. I better get in shape I, I, you know, I used to not have to think about it. Now I got to try think about it more. So I'm gonna run, and I'm gonna start running, and now I'm gonna run every day, and day. I'm gonna work out every day. And <laughs> after like a couple weeks, I could like my hip hurts so bad that I could even if I was just laying in bed. I hadn't run in like 12 hours. Like, oh, my hip hurts. So you got to scale up, buddy. You can't just do it all at once. And luckily, there there is not an ask that you never think about yourself. Or that you don't eat cookies. This is not what it's about. It's just about having things in the right order. So the last way I want to look about, look at the difference between heaven and hell, is that heaven is things right side up and hell is things upside down. So there's this concept called the universal categories of love. And this has been one of the most practical, tangible, spiritual tools for me. And it sounds like I'm going to say, well, the universal categories of love are like when you're, you have a crush on somebody or then the love of parents for their children. But that's, this is much more broad and philosophical than that. There's three categories of love. And this is the way they're put in New Church Theology. This is a screen grab from a video that we did about this. But the, the three categories of love are love of the self which is not like good self esteem i don't beat myself up but it's like sort of your ego i think that the way that that term is colloquially used is a great match for that so it's your it's like your self image your your importance you're, how, you're considering yourself over other people. That's your love of yourself. All right, the universe resolves around me. Love of the world is, you could call it materialism. It is the desire for stuff that is pleasing. And it can be you know, satisfying your material needs as well in there, but all that generally falls under, like, ooh, it's bright and shiny, I like this, that's love of the world. And then finally there is love of usefulness, which also in other places is called love of heaven. And that is the joy you get knowing that you made a difference, a a positive difference, that you did something good. I'm going to go out and I have a a job, like an occupation I have to do, and I'm going to go do it knowing that if I do this well, it's it's somehow making the world better. That's love of usefulness. So what you'd probably think is that I would say, what you got to do is get rid of love of self and love of the world and just keep love of usefulness and then you'll go to heaven. But actually... You get to keep them all. It's like what are those, um, there's all those commercials for Weight Watchers or something where they're like, guess what? You get to eat all these cookies and brownies and you're still on a diet. That's like, they're a hook. You still get to do that stuff. That's how this is. You still get to do all that stuff. It's just about the order. If you think about the human body and divide it into, into roughly three sections, like you've got your head and your body and then your feet. To be in heaven, all you have to do is have love of Usefulness be your head. So your head is like where you see the world from. It's where you assess things from. It is also where you make decisions, and it's where you direct the rest of the things to follow. If we have not exclusively this desire to help other people, but if that is what is steering our life, where ultimately, if we have to make a choice that's... uh, ethical, this is the way I've got to go. If I'm making a big decision about where I want to go, that love of usefulness is there. If it's the most important thing, it's not the only thing, but it's the most important thing, then that's good. If suddenly, like right now, like a catapult shot a bunch of little BBs at us, I would protect my head. I don't know if that's a... Have you ever had that happen to you? I don't know if that's a good metaphor. But it does... You would... Ah, my head. If the roof started falling, my head because that's what's most important. All you got to do is have the love of usefulness be the most, the most treasured thing. Then, for the body, for the, the sort of day-to-day stuff, having love of the world in there, yeah, you got to take care of yourself. Of course you got to take care of yourself. you got to take care of your body. you got to take care of your finances. And, and you know what? It's great. Go, go have a vacation. I don't know. What, what kind of stuff do you like? Go buy a video game. Do that stuff. But why? But, but in service of... So you wouldn't do that at the expense of usefulness, you would do it to, like, I'm, I'm going to get what I want so that I can get back happy and in a good frame of mind to go and do the good impact I have on the world. And then finally on the bottom, love of self is on the bottom. It's not like if I were giving this talk and then later at the end I would go out and say goodbye to everybody and someone says, hey, that was a good talk. I'm not saying that's going to happen this time, but in the past, it's happened. It's not like, oh, I gotta not enjoy that. I have to, no, I don't care about that at all. I didn't even notice I was giving a talk. It just means it's not the most important thing. And it's in service of, like, I believe, okay, cool, I'm glad that went well. Actually, you know, every, everything good comes from God. And the point is, though, I'm not here for that. I'm not here for that. You're, you're not going to your job for that. Because all of you right now are, are counting on me being up on this stage in service of love of usefulness, right? Like, you, you don't want it so that I came up here just to somehow get something for myself. You're thinking that I'm going to say something that is going to be helpful to you, right? And that that's why you're trusting that that's why I'm talking to you, is because I think I can deliver value to you. That's all it is. It's just like what the main thing, keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is we want to work toward a world in which everyone is most fully and profoundly happy and you know, see, see how God is going to lead us down the path to that. And then we take care of everything to make sure we're materially where we need to be and in, held in check, but can still get its joys. It's like, oh yeah, my, my ego, my son it. it can still be there. Hell is just that upside down. Hell is when the love of self, like my, my desire to be greater or better or superior or to get what I want, that's the thing that's driving me. Like that's what I want when I wake up in the morning, that's what's driving me to come in here. Then I want material gratification and the actual helping of people and being a good human being and citizen, who cares? I, I, this just like down by my feet. That's the problem. That's what we wanna get out of. We wanna flip that around so that your head is up top and your feet are on the bottom. But in all that, in all that processing, um, God is never the terror to us. God is never the, the enemy there, actually. And God is never abandoning us or, or saying, all right, well, you're not trying hard enough. I'm not with you. In Psalm 139, which I've, I've heard this before, but I was thinking about it more. Like, there's some pretty profound stuff in there. It's just one verse. It says, if I ascend into heaven you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there." So, God is never going to abandon you. This idea that God is angry and just throws you into hell, like, there, you're over there. That's not what this is saying. If I go into hell, and notice it's like, if I make my bed in hell, the idea that, that, that God puts you in hell? No. God, what, why would God, who is love itself, want to do that? God's intent is for you to be most fully and profoundly happy. And we're not happy when we're in a state of hell, so why would God put you there? If I make my bed in hell, we have the opportunity. I've done that to myself many times. I've made many beds in hell. Yeah, I'm down there. But God is still there. And God will work within whatever decisions we're making, good or bad, to say, hey, come a little farther this way. Come a little bit farther this way. Because in, no matter what day of doom we get into, God is always the hope there. It doesn't change. No matter where we are, God is always the hope that we can have these brighter and brighter days. So heaven and hell, I hope you can feel like that. Heaven and hell are something that's it's immediate. It's right here around you, and it's actionable. It's something that we can move in now. It's, we, the, the fear is not God, we're not, it's not us against God, God is working with us against the hell that tries to take control of our minds and actions and, and make us yell at the dog, or whatever it is that you do. I'm not saying I ever yell at my dog, but that example just came to my mind for no reason. <clears throat> so let's take a second to let that sink in, and we're going to say the Lord's Prayer and i feel like no matter what i talk about the lord's prayer always sums it up cuz this is an this amazing piece of um, religion that always has to that is always addressing the things that we're trying to address here so as we as we and we can you can say this with me you can just listen you can say your own silent prayer but contained in these words as i see it anyway is is the formula for moving us from hell to heaven, or moving us farther into heaven. And it's asking God to be our hope, the hope in the day of doom. Okay, so here we go. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I just wanted to like stop in the middle of it and comment, look, see, look, it's doing this. But I was like, oh wait, no, 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 that ruins it. Don't ruin the moment. How would be thy name? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Like, like we make we make heaven here now. That's the point. Hey, for, let's forgive and forgive and forget. Deliver us from evil. You know, you you are you can be my hope here. So hopefully today you feel like you got a few tools that that help you assist the Lord in. You know get getting you toward heaven and that you understand you're not overcome by like oh, this hell thing is too intense no it's it's we all know hell we all know heaven we've been there let's let's make it so we're in heaven more often and we slowly move deeper and deeper into heaven into the happiness that God wants for us there which is the whole point of life thanks everyone for being willing to spend a little time thinking about this I greatly enjoyed it and I hope you take this out into your week and make the world a little bit more heavenly with it
2: Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. When I die, Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.